0: Morning. Everybody doing good this morning? Well, it's good to see some new faces here that I haven't seen in a while. So it's good to see you. We love you. Are you excited about the Word of God? Yeah. Amen. Well, I'll give you a quick title, and then you'll hopefully we can see it as... as uh, uh. How many of you know since everything's gone on with this... Uh, virus and where we've been, you kind of feel powerless. You ever feel powerless? Well, you know, there's just things that we realize are beyond our control. Well, really, much of life is that way. And uh, as I was just preparing, getting ready for the service today, the, the sermon, and working on what I wanted to say, and I was dealing with this thing of of feeling Powerless, being in what I would call a powerless place. There's things that you would like to do that we're powerless to do. And I felt like that God quickened something to me and said something to me that, that just inspired me or encouraged me. And here's what I believe the Lord was saying. The kingdom of God always comes in the powerless place. Now we know the kingdom of God is here. We understand that God's kingdom came when Jesus came. He came preaching the kingdom of God was at hand. But when He quickened that or spoke that to me, it encouraged me to just stop for a moment and say, Lord, how how do I articulate? What do I say? What is it you're trying to say to us, the body of Christ? What are you trying to say to your church in this season that we're in? The kingdom of God always appears in the powerless place, and then as it appears... It takes on its own life or if I could say its own power and it does things when the kingdom comes, it does things that it's not possible for anything else on the planet to do what the kingdom of God can do when it comes. You know, I've been preaching for several weeks, the last few weeks about the righteousness from God and what righteousness is from God and I think that set up everything that I wanted to say. So when I'm saying, you realize the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy and so I, I wanna talk a little bit about that. So what I, I mean by saying the powerless place and we talk about the power, powerless place is where we can't do it on our own. That's a powerless place. Where we can't do something with our own ability. It's not in our ability. You don't have the ability to make yourself righteous. You do not have the ability to just cause peace to manifest in your life. You don't have the ability to just have the joy that comes from knowing the Holy Spirit of God. So let me, let me give you a word today. This is probably a new word for you. I've, I've used this illustration before, but it'll help you. Does anybody know what psychosclerosis is? Well, let me ask you this. Do you know what arteriosclerosis is? Arteriosclerosis is hardening of the arteries. Psychosclerosis is the hardening of our thinking. I know a lot of Christians that have psychosclerosis. Yeah. I mean, they think the way they think, and you ain't going to change them no matter what you do. I'm talking to you today because ain't nobody here like that. You're all on camera watching You know, here's what it has to do with. It has to do with our attempt to engineer, to predict, and to control God. It amazes me how many people think they have the ability and they think that they can control God. If you listen to certain people pray, you would think, that they're in charge and God is the servant or the errand boy because they're telling God what they want him to do in every situation and circumstance and they think that way and you try to tell them they can't do that and and they got that psychocirosis going. Hard thinking. Listen to me say this. We don't like it when God decides he wants to be God and he takes things out of our control. God made us parents and we don't realize it when those kids are little but there's going to come a day and an age when you no longer have any control whatsoever over those kids. You may influence them but there's coming a day that they're going to be in control of their own life. And that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. God's in charge of everything, but we have control of a lot of things in our life that we, 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 we control it and we don't even want God to control. Now, here it is and here's what I want to say. Most of us want to get God in a certain kind of container, or we've used the illustration, a box, and we want him to do exactly what we tell him we want him to do. Am I talking to anybody? How many of you know that's how we are? We all deal with this. We want God to fit our way, shape, form, and fashion, to look like we think he looks, to behave the way we think he should. We think that God should be everything that we have made him to be. And what happens is we want him to be very predictable. I preached a sermon one time called Domesticating God. You know the difference between a domesticated animal and a non-domesticated animal. Sometimes we want to domesticate God. We want God functioning the way we tell him to function, how we tell him to function, and when we want him to function. But God has the ability and does sometimes operate and exercise his sovereignty in such a way that he will break out of our box and be God whether we like it or not. Is that right? You see, I think God has broke out of the box as churches as we've tried to tell him to have it. Right now we're in a powerless place. To try to make the church what we think it needs to be, but I believe God, in His wisdom and His glory and His goodness and His knowledge and His ability and understanding, has the ability to do church the way He wants to do church, even right now. Our problem is we want to drive, we want to be in control of everything in every situation. Jesus prayed in the garden. Do you remember when he was in the garden and he prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. Could we pray that prayer right now as a corporate body? Could you just say with me, dear Lord, I pray not my will, but thy will be done in my life. Now, let me just tell you something. God's already in charge. I'm not worried about that but we must let him be in control if he's going to control certain things. If we don't let him control certain things, we may receive or get psychosclerosis, hardening of the thinking. Now, If we don't let it be God, here's what could happen. Do do you know how many scriptures there are or how many places there are in scripture? I'm going to give you a few of them. There are many scriptures about having eyes but cannot see, having ears but cannot hear. Let me just read you some passages of scripture And listen to what he says here in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. He's talking here about psychosclerosis. Watch this, Acts chapter 28, verse 26, saying, go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Sounds like he's quoting Isaiah here. Then in Jeremiah chapter 5, Jeremiah 5 verse 21 says, Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. Then in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 11 verse 7 it says, What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, But the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David said, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so they do not see and bow down their back always. How many of you believe we got some people living on planet earth right now that are seeing but can't see? That are hearing but they can't really hear? I'm saying to us this morning that God allows blindness and deafness to come on people for a reason. Now hear me say this. When God's love and his approval comes on people, then he begins to give them eyes that see and ears that hear. More than anything else right now on planet Earth, what we ought to be praying is, God, let me see what you're seeing that we should be doing. Let me hear what you're saying that I should be hearing. Is everybody in agreement with that? I want to see what God wants me to see and I want to hear what God wants me to hear. So I say, Lord, we need our eyes open to see and we need our ears open to hear. Now, I've said all of that to get to this point in the message. I want to talk to you about something called Mysteries. Would you say mysteries with me? Say mysteries. Mystery, the word mystery in the New Testament is something that is not possible to know unless God reveals it to you. It's a mystery. To know something that is not possible to know unless God reveals it to you. Now, there are many mysteries in the Scripture, and there's many in the New Testament. Now, listen to me. The word mystery is not a secret. There's a difference between a mystery and a secret. I want to make that clear. They are different. Mystery means you would have never thought this through unless God revealed it to you. Let me show you a couple in scripture so you can get what I'm saying. In the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, the incarnation is a mystery. How a woman by the name of Mary could get pregnant... Never having been with a man is a mystery. How is it possible? How could that happen? That's not a secret. It's a mystery. How does something like that take place? The incarnation is a mystery. Now watch here in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So Mary conceives, not knowing a man, we call this the incarnation, and this is a mystery. Now guys, just a few weeks ago, I took this same passage and I talked about being born from above. And when I was talking about being born from above, what I said, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. Listen carefully. Do you realize that how god can come and take up residence inside of a human being and we become sons of God, daughters of God, we become children of God. Do you realize that's a mystery? How does he do that? People are trying to figure it out because we're saying, I'm not clean enough. I'm not righteous enough. I don't have what it takes in order for God to come and take up residence on the inside of me. There's just no way that can happen. It's a mystery how he does that. Hear me now. God is still wanting, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was the word and he became flesh. That same word, that same Rama, is the word. God wants that to become flesh in our lives. He's, want, he's wanting our his word to become alive inside of us. It's a mystery how God can take a human being, spirit, soul, and body and we can receive the ingratitude. Word of God, the incorruptible seed of God, and that seed goes to work in our lives, creating us to become sons and daughters of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It's a mystery how God takes somebody as evil and silly and stupid as some of us are and says, I'm going to make you more than a conqueror. I'm going to make you exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. I'm going to make you a child of mine. It's a mystery how God does that. But that's what he's doing. He's wanting his word to become flesh in us. If that's not the case then why is your body the temple of the Holy Ghost? Man, that's a mystery to me. Is it Mysterious to you that God lives inside you? It's a mystery that he is trying to conform us to the image of Christ. How does God do that? Now listen to me. Here's what I'm trying to get across to you. It's a mystery how he does it. It's not a secret. I want you to understand the difference. It's a mystery how God comes and lives inside of us and is working in us and manifesting in us to become everything that he wants us to become. It's a mystery, but it's not a secret. Christ in us, the mystery. Notice in verse 38, and this is the verse that I used in Luke 1, 38, this is what I used, Mary's response When he came and said, you are going to have a son, and it's not going to be Jesus, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And that word is Ramah, and the angel departed from her. Now, here's what I'm trying to get you to see in this thing. Do you realize when God came to Mary and decided to do this because he found favor with her, do you realize how powerless she was to do anything about what was going to happen? God came to her and said, you're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. The Christ child is going to be birthed in you. Think about the powerless place. Guys, what I'm trying to say to us today is that's where we are, you and I. Christ is in us. Do do you realize, you know, a lot of you think you chose Christ, but the truth is Christ chose you. Christ found you. He was never lost. You were the one who was lost. He found you and he said, you know, I want to come to you and I want to take up my residence on the inside of you. I want to come and use you to build what I want to build on planet earth. I want to use you to do what I want to do and I'm choosing to come and live in you and I'm telling you, I tried every way in the world to keep keep him from coming and living in my life and taking charge. Yeah, I ran. I did everything there was that I knew to do. But it's a mystery that he chose me. It's a mystery that he chose you. Look at somebody and say to them right now, God chose to live in you. Will you tell somebody that? Muffle it through your masks. God chose somebody. He chose to live inside you. It's a mystery. Let me give you another mystery in scripture. Growth. Is a mystery. In the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 26, and he said, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. Everybody listen to me. There's a mystery in growth. Do you know you can't make yourself grow? Now You're talking to an expert here because I just want you all to know I'd have been 6'5". Yeah, because I wanted to play basketball. I have done everything I know to do to grow. The only way I grow is out, not up. You can probably make yourself grow out, but you can't make yourself grow up now. Hear me. If you could make yourself grow, then you would distort the process of growth that God has designed. Now I think it's clear that I could say to you, almost all spiritual growth as I have observed it. Somebody else could give a, have a different take on this. but as I have observed it, almost all spiritual growth comes by spurts. I have watched my life. I remember the first year I was saved, I had matured so much that first year, I looked back at when I got saved, and I said, you know, I didn't know beans then. And I I thought, man, I've learned so much in this year, that went back to the second year, and after the second year I was saved, I looked back at the anniversary of the first year, and I thought, I'm not even sure I was saved back then. Why? Because I was growing, I was maturing, things were happening in my life. And it's a mystery, it's a mystery how things grow In the kingdom of God. Now, please hear me say this, listen carefully. The kingdom of God is not built, it comes. Remember how he taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I could look at you and I'd say, let's get together. Dave, Louis, let's menu get together and we're gonna have a Bible study and we're going to build people in righteousness, peace and joy so that the kingdom of God gets bigger in them. And I don't think it's gonna work, why? Because the kingdom of God can't be built. I can't find anywhere in scripture it comes. Now, here's what happens when it comes. When the kingdom of God comes, it leaves you in the powerless place. Because here's what comes with it. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what the kingdom of God is, righteousness, peace, and joy. Well, as we've been studying for the last few weeks, Righteousness is not something you can do. Your righteousness doesn't do anything. The law can never make you righteous. Righteousness is a gift of God. It comes from God. And you have right standing with God because God gave his son. All you did was receive Jesus. And when you received Jesus, you received the righteousness of God because he is the righteousness of God. And you received that when you received The kingdom. Peace also is a gift. You have peace from God and you have the peace of God. I am at peace with God today because I have received the kingdom and I am powerless to do anything about that. I can't build that. I'm not saying I can't learn more about righteousness. I'm not saying I can't learn more about peace. I'm not saying I can't learn more about joy. But the righteousness that comes with the kingdom is something that we receive when it comes. And the joy that comes with that is in the Holy Spirit. Now, all of these things, righteousness, peace, and joy, all of these come with the kingdom of God. Now, You can go and you can do all kinds of things to cause growth or to try to cause growth. But in the final analysis, I believe with all of my heart that God causes growth. Now, one of the things that I think has happened in this season that we're in right now, I think one of the things that's happened in 2020 that hasn't happened in any other season is for those who had received the kingdom of God, those who got in the powerless place, I think that growth is taking place in the body of Christ because we had become so dependent on what we had to do ourselves and what, what the church was doing for us. We had to come to a place where growth is taking place like I believe it has never taken place before. And I'm excited about that. Growth comes with God's favor. Now, the third mystery that I want to talk about, and this is the heart of what I want to say today, is the will of God. The will of God. You know, how many of you struggle to know the will of God? Hmm? Listen to me. The will of God... Is not a secret, it's a mystery. Let me say that again. The will of God is not a secret, it's a mystery. Now, there's two words for mystery in the New Testament. One word is belema, B O L E M A, that's the eternal unfolding purpose of God. The second word is phalema, F A L E M A, and that is God's wish or desire, this is the mystery. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, he's not talking about the eternal unfolding of God's plan on planet earth. When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that's his wish or his desire to be done in my life. We are praying for God's wishes to happen. What does God wish to happen And what is he trying to say? Lord, help me to say this in a way that we get it, please. Understanding powerlessness in the will of God is knowing, God, I need you. Listen to me. It's not, God, I want you. Not God... I want to know you. It's God, I need you. Listen to me. How can you know his will if you're trying to make his will your will? If you're trying to take your will and make God's will comply with your will, you're never going to know God's will. God, I need you to show me your will. It's not, Lord, I want you. It's I need you. Now, let me try to illustrate this this way. Philip Perry is one of the greatest guitar players I've ever known. I want Philip to play me a song right now. Play me something. Some of y'all can sing it. Hmm? <laughs> Martha can. <laughs> now, watch. Philip, <clears throat> I want you to play an orchestra song. I can play along orchestra. You can what? I can play along with an orchestra. You can play along with an orchestra but you can't be an orchestra. Is that right? You mean your gift, your talent, your ability, everything that you are, you can play numerous instruments, but you can't be an orchestra? Thank you. Hear me. I want you to understand what I'm saying. You can't do the will of God alone. You can't know the will of God all by yourself because his will... Is revealed in his prayer in John 17 that they may be one as we are one. He desires for us to know his will, and his will means I've got to work with you in order to do the will of God. Help me. I'm really at a place of helplessness. What are you saying? I cannot do the will of God alone. I'm powerless. I'm powerless. Okay, everybody with me? Which brings me to my fourth mystery. We looked at Mary, the mystery of incarnation. Looked at the will of God is a mystery. And now, the fourth mystery that I want us to look at today is trust. In the book of John, chapter 2, John chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did, but Jesus did not commit. Do you know what that word commit means? Trust. Jesus did not trust himself to them because he knew all men. Now, turn over to John chapter 15 with me. Even though they believed, Jesus didn't trust them. Then, over in John 15, verse 14, it says, You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Here's my question What happened from John 2 to John 15? How did Jesus go from not trusting them to telling them everything? In John 2, he trusted nobody. In John 15, he says, I'm sharing everything with you that the Father shares with me. You know, I hear a lot of people talk about and say today, you need to trust Jesus. You need to trust Jesus. You need to trust Jesus. During this time we're going in, we need to trust Jesus. You need to trust Jesus. And I'm not taking anything away from that. But here's what dumbfounds me. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Do you know what really dumbfounds me? Do you know what's really a mystery? Is that He trusts us with his will and his word on planet earth. It's a mystery to me that God would look at you and me and trust us to preach his kingdom and build his church. We can't build the kingdom. We preach the kingdom, and when we preach the kingdom, he trusts us to build the church. Help me, Lord. What are you saying? I'm saying, this is a powerless place for me. See, almost all of the Christian teaching is about whether or not you trust God. Almost all of the Christian teaching is saying... You, you need to trust God and you need to hang in there. You know, they used to do that thing. I can remember as a boy growing up in church, they would have test, testimony service on Wednesday night and almost everybody that, for, that, that, that gave their testimony would say, you all pray that I'll hold out to the end. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know about these guys, but I don't plan on letting go. You don't have to pray for me to hold on. I'm going to tell you, I ain't letting go of Jesus. And I want you to get this today because, you know, I think it's time that we grow up as a body and that we learn about the mystery and the mystery of this whole thing is, the mystery of this is God wants to trust you with his word and his will on planet earth. Pastor Father, I just want to go to heaven. Couldn't this be the end of time and we're just going to heaven? No, he wants to trust you with his will and his word. Can he trust you? Man, that's a powerless place. All I know to do in that place is raise my hands and say, Lord, I surrender all to you. I want you to do what you want to do with my life. Take me, mold me, make me. Do you realize his reputation rests in us? What am I saying? I'm saying God is preparing a people he can trust. Before my daddy died, He looked at me and he said, son, everything I have, everything I've done belongs to you and your sister. It's yours. I said, dad, are you sure you can trust us with it? One of these days, I'll pass. And everything that I have, we're going to trust to somebody. Do you realize this church, the property, everything that we do in ministry, everything that we have is going to be handed to somebody else and to another generation? And the question is, can we trust them? My question today is, can God Trust us with his power, with his wisdom, with his love, with all that he has. Can he trust you? I want him to trust me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your kingdom. You have entrusted your kingdom to us. So Lord, if you're trusting us, share your secrets with us. Tell us what the Father is saying. And Lord, let us hear what your spirit is saying to the church. We give you praise and honor in Jesus name. Amen.